Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board. Farm Credit Services of America, Johnsonville Foods, High Port Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, PIC North America, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com. Brought to you by American Resources. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. I'm Matthew Rode, your host, and today we're joined by Steve Weiss, the founder and CEO of NutriQuest. How are you doing today, Steve? Doing great, Matthew. Good to be here. Excited to have you on. You've been a, a a real cornerstone in a way to the industry over the past decade or two, and excited to have you share your story, what's happening today, and where you think the future of the industry is going. Uh, if you could just start off by introducing yourself and uh, and who you are, uh, that would be that'd be awesome. Happy to. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be here too, Matthew. And I, I think appreciate what you're doing here. These podcasts, I think there's a lot of value for the industry through them. So I commend you guys for it. Um, yeah, my, my uh, you know, I, I've been in the industry now for uh, about 30 years, which makes me feel kind of old. Um, started, I was, I was actually a, a financial guy by background, so I was with Deloitte. And then started uh, with with four other people, our own firm, uh, CPA firm, and one of my uh, customers and and good friend was Jeff Hansen, uh, and I, I worked with him uh, in his his construction and equipment business, and then was fortunate to help him as a as an advisor um, to to begin, um, you know what what's now Iowa Select Farms. Uh, we had watched what happened with Premium Standard Farms and. And uh, how they tried to build in Iowa at a at a popular state park and kind of got booted. Went to northern Missouri, um, and we actually were talking. The first project we were looking at was the potential of poten- possibly merging uh, Jeff's construction and equipment business with them, and uh, didn't really didn't, didn't really go anywhere. But during the process, and Jeff especially really educated himself. Uh, in terms of what their business model had been. And we thought that uh, Iowa was a much better place than Missouri to uh, to have a large-scale uh, swine operation. And so, um, you know, Iowa Select Farms was born. Uh, that, so that's really how I got um, to, to, to this role. And uh, as, as we, uh, as I worked with, with Jeff as an outside advisor, as he was putting that together, um, he approached me with being a CFO um, and help start that business. And for me, it was actually more of a personal um, move than it was a professional one, although I, 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 I thought very highly of Jeff and, and had a lot of confidence in what he was doing. I, I've, I've, I've said before, I'm kind of a self-proclaimed mama's boy. I've, I've got uh, nine brothers and sisters and grew up in North Iowa, and this was a way for me to not only pr- pursue something professionally that I thought was exciting, but also to move back home to Mason City where I could uh, live closer to my my parents. I wanted my children to attend the same Catholic school that 
that I had attended. Um, and so uh, that's really how I got into the industry was was helping uh, helping Jeff initially start Iowa Select and then starting as um, as his CFO back in '92. Uh, so as you were growing up, uh, you really weren't in pigs, right? Were were you involved in agriculture, or were you kind of on your path to the financial world? Yeah, not not at all. My my uh, father uh, was not a farmer and and didn't have that ag background, so. I had a really, you know, a business background only, and I remember as we started, I was select. It was kind of during this dot com era, and I was, uh, you know, I, I was. Some of my counterparts were uh, from college, and and Deloitte were, you know, were killing it with some of these dot com startups, and I was in Iowa, you know, starting a pig business or helping start a bit a business a pig business with Jeff. Um, but as I look back, it was you know, by far the best uh, decision I ever made, both both professionally, because I, I, I've grown to really love this industry and its people, uh, and, and personally, as I've, as I've been able to, again, kind of move, move back home. That's awesome. So who was, uh, I guess, when you were starting or helping start Iowa Select, what were some of the challenges and uh, and what were some of the big wins that you guys had early on that really shaped the trajectory for that business? Well, we had, um, you know, we had all kinds of challenges. Um, we were, we were, you know, getting financing when we talked about, you know, 3,400 sow units, um, you know, which, which were um, really kind of the first of their kind three site production we, we we thought that what what premium standard farms had done was was not likely to work with um you know with with Ferro to finish on on one site or um and so um getting financing early was was the biggest challenge and and the vision that we had for um modernizing the industry and you know these the banks especially looked at uh, you know how many farmers would have to to take over one of these sow units if if we failed, um, and so um, we we had to get really creative, and, and we 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 spent a bunch of time out east in Boston and New York and Wall Street to to raise the the, the money that we did to uh, you know to, to ultimately finance um, the beginning. So most of your funding had to be coastal. Yeah, it did, and and it um, it would be really difficult to do that today. I mean, it was, um, but I think people saw. What had happened? The investors saw what had happened in the broiler industry, and and what um, what perhaps could happen in, with with similar consolidation and modernization um, in the swine industry. And so um, we uh, it was it was fun. It was it was a blast. We we did road shows. We we flew all over the country, meeting with people, and and raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, to um, you know, to finance really the the start start up and up to about a hundred thousand sows at Iowa Select. I mean, since I've left Iowa Select, they've grown you know well beyond that initial foundation. But you know the the you know the other element that was huge was um, Packer agreement, and and our 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 uh, timing was perfect as we as we looked at uh, you know Premium Standard Farms was working with ConAgra. And Morgan Stanley came in and, and said, "Hey, we don't need you guys anymore. We're going to build our own packing plant." And so Jeff and I strolled into uh, 
Omaha and met with the CEO and CFO of, of ConAgra and and uh, it was it was like they were recruiting us as much as we were trying to sell them <laughs> on the basis of this this vertical alignment, which I still today I think is a great a great strategy of of you know of of having a a, a long term agreement with a packer that's that really looks like more of a partnership. Um, so those were two things that were really fundamental, and and certainly the the that alignment and the agreement. Um, made possible the financing that that we raised uh, to really to get it started. So then, where did uh, NutriQuest come in? So we we uh, as we as we built Iowa Select uh, Farms over the years and and uh, and grew it, we went through a bit of a reorganization. I guess another challenge. Um, I'll never forget when when uh, when we did this roadshow. With Iowa Select, um, I had a couple of slides. One of them I, I called. First of all, we we had a, a pricing arrangement that gave us some downside protection, and we I, I talked to the uh, I talked to I, but my slide talked about I think the the words that I used was this is a ridiculous worst case worst case scenario where we had enough of a downturn for a long 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 period of time. Um, where we, you know, where we might actually suffer some some operating losses for for an extended period, and it had never happened um, prior to that '92 to '94 period when we were, um, you know, doing our roadshow. Well, fast forward to '98, '99, and I see some similarities today um, to the cycle that we experienced then. Well, guess what? It happened, um, and so we we had a, a, a period of, you know, it's. It's interesting as I think about all of the the, the great um, examples of of companies that have that you know were pioneers in the industry. Um, you know, Wendell Murphy. You and I talked about um, Wendell a little bit as we started here, and 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 really about all of them. Every one of them has has always. It's, it's never been you know just a road a road to prosperity, uh, straight to prosperity. There's always a hiccup, and 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 at Iowa Select we had the same thing in '98, '99, and so we 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 reorganized very successfully the business there, and and um, I felt like it was on really good footing. Um, and um, at that time, you know, I approached Jeff, and we talked about um, my you know getting the business through this transition, and then moving on to just to doing something differently. Um, I, and so uh, that's when I left, and and then shortly after that um, started, you know, what's now NutriQuest. So, what was the the idea behind NutriQuest, and and how did that all come together? Because uh, I'm sure it wasn't just immediate. No, it, it is actually, you know, my my good friend Chad Hagen and I. Um, Chad had gone to work for Christensen Farms, and and uh, had, he had worked with me at Iowa Select, and. We had this vision of um, starting a business where where we could, um, you know, develop technologies longer term that you know that could improve performance and and um, and help the industry. We actually um, started with two different companies. Um, one was called Production Input Solutions, 
and the other value-added science and technologies. Um, I'll never forget the world first World Pork Expo that we had. And um, Chad and I um, were talking to Ken and Julie Mashoff. And we, st- we, we and, and Ken, Ken came up and said, oh my God, guys, I love your production input solutions, um, um, which, which by the way, the acronym was PIS, we called it PISS. Um, and uh and 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 julie julie followed right on his heels telling us you guys need you need you you guys need to hire somebody in marketing um but we started a company called piss that was a buying group and kind of leveraged the contacts that we had in the industry to have we actually had about a million sows that bought inputs through us and so we helped um you know really help them buy better that wasn't that difficult to get started because we had some relationships we had trust and uh um you know trust of course you know matthew as you know is not just um, um integrity it's competency and so people trusted us to to uh, be stewards and, and help them you know buy better essentially but we also knew as uh, you know financial people and the, the nutritionists in chad's case in the industry that uh, though we could save money or, or kind of lower that numerator in the cost of production equation uh, through this buying group, that the real dollars to profitability for a pork producer is that denominator, you know, that that throughput range and value. So um, our value-added science and technology business was 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 clearly focused on developing nutritional technologies through research. That would improve um, profitability, you know, offer a high return or, or fill a you know a critical need for the industry. So we knew over time that 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 company that, as we would say, that Bast would, uh, you know, would take over and and piss would kind of fade away, and that's exactly what happened. And then I think we finally took Julie's advice and 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 hired some uh, smart part marketing people and. And kind of merge the two companies under um, the brand NutriQuest, which of course um, we still operate under today. What was your big first technological win that helped make that all possible? I think the the first technology was one that that Chad had actually played with when he was with CF. Um, uh, that product is EvoSure and and, and Alenco, That's still a successful technology for Elanco. Uh, it's a uh, it's a yeast based technology that um, and, and we did a bunch of work in sows. Um, sow research is difficult, it's expensive. And so there there wasn't a lot of it that was being done. And so we, we demonstrated um, really nice improvements in in um, litter weight and preweaning mortality by feeding this this technology to sows. Uh, it, it was it was very successful. So that was our our first um, product. I think um, you know you, you talked about maybe the first, but I would say maybe the other one that 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 came shortly um, on its heels, somewhat later, was um, was Lipinate. Um, we we've always prided ourselves on on being close to producers and 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 really trying to solve. You know, the understanding that the needs of the of the industry, and trying to be servants to the industry to solve those needs, and um, 
we you know, we had one of our MPIC conferences and talked about the fact that with ethanol, um, you know, really really taking off that that uh, we had this byproduct distillers that was very economical for producers to feed, but it was really having an adverse impact on on fat quality on 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 pork quality. And so as a result, some packers were saying you can't feed it. Some were telling you how you could feed it. But in any event, we had a huge opportunity with this inexpensive feedstuff, um, but a huge challenge in that, it, um, you know, feeding it, you know, compromised our product. And so we, uh, we discovered a product called Lipinate, which um, you may be familiar with when, you've, when you feed it. In relatively small quantities late in the life of the animal, it improves uh, meat quality. It actually hardens the fat of the animal and particularly the belly, particularly bacon, bacon um, quality. So um, that th those are just a couple of our products that we've developed um, over over the years. What uh, was one product that you guys developed that? you thought was going to make the biggest difference and just just didn't it didn't or didn't make it or didn't get there uh that that heartache product the what was one of those um you know i'm, I, I'm not sure i can think of any actually matthew that would that would characterize that i mean we we we, we ended up you know we, we learned a lot as we developed our our products and um and we got, I think we, we learned to be really disciplined in terms of, um, you know, business plans and feasibility and uh, products. I mean, when you think about all the things that you need to try to solve for, and then over time, we've kind of come up, become a magnet for people to come to us, knowing that we, um, if you've got an idea or a molecule, you know, that, that we've got you know, more and better animal research than about anybody in the world. And, and we have this experience to look at it. So over time, we became, I think, really more astute at really writing business plans for each of these technologies. And I'm a serial entrepreneur. So this has been a, a, a really fun thing for me to work with our science team to, to develop. But, um, and, and we also would, would say, Hey, look, um, try to fail early and celebrate failures um you know the, the worst thing you could do is is um string out something that's ultimately not going to work yeah by, by plowing time and, and money into it over the years and so um you know obviously we've failed you know multiple of times i mean probably i don't know quite hundreds of times but more than 10 times with things that we looked at you know that that didn't work. You know, then then did work. Um, we've we've just become more astute, I think, as at managing that funnel, and um, and and I can't think of anything that we, you know, that we held on maybe too long for and, and had a major disappointment, and instead um, tried to you know celebrate failure um, and, and um, you know just just move on and 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 move on to the next thing. Yeah, sometimes people get so caught up on all of the costs that has been rolled into it already that uh, they, they might stick with it just because of, well, we've already spent this much, or we've already invested this much, and sometimes just cutting your losses and moving on and 
accepting failure as a win as opposed to a defeat um, can mean everything. Yeah, absolutely. We've gotten good at that. We've gotten very good at, um, at, at, at doing that early. When we started, Chad Hagen and I, there weren't very many ideas we didn't fall in love with. Um, so we kind of learned the hard way, you know, that there's very few products that, um, you know, that, that really work uh, and, and really can be impactful. I mean, because for them to work, they've got to have a, a high ROI on the producer end. I mean, we've, we've, we found we we failed several products that um, that worked, but but there wasn't an economic payback. Um, so it just yeah, it's, we've we've gotten better at that. We're, we're still learning, of course, but that's that's the process. So, can you talk through the process of uh, of Elanco becoming involved and just how that all unfolded and developed and what that looks like today? Yeah, I'm happy to. I, I've said many times that um, I, I wish I could claim uh, um, that I was the architect of that um, transaction because it truly is a match made in heaven. But um, the fact of the matter is, that, like like many of these things, it, it really just kind of happened. Um, it was back in, I think, January of 22 when I met with Jose Simas and we signed um, – an agreement that would that provided Alanco with the rights to the exclusive rights to distribute our Protect product that we had developed um, in in China and parts of Asia, and um, we were very excited. It was a huge milestone, you know, for our business that that somebody um, of, of that stature, uh, you know, was was excited in our in our technology and and wanted to work with us, and so. Um, that that ended up in evolving into um, a greater interest by by Elanco. I mean, so first they they did their own research with the technology in those countries, and it worked really well, just like our our research showed. Um, they had um, you know many producers that were very interested in it, um, and they also it it it, it gave them you know, in in hindsight it was this date before you marry type of uh, type of uh, process where they they liked what they saw I think they liked the uh, not only that particular product but the quality of our research and and our organization and, and of course we we liked working with them as well so they approached us later in the year and said you know we'd like more of this and and one thing led to another and and it made um, perfect sense we felt to um, you know to sell our commercial business, to them, which um, which culminated a year ago um, in January of, of 23. And so that uh, provides, uh, we're, we're still uh, developing some of the late, they, they bought, I believe it was about 17 uh, of our products uh, from us. And uh, I think it was about six late pipeline products that are still in, in various stages of, of either of completion some some the completion may mean new products and and we're, we're excited about those that we're encouraged will, will land in that um in that column and of course there'll be some that fail um and so again a, a marriage of the best of both worlds i think we have prided ourselves you know our hedgehog has has been animal research and we think there's nobody better than that and um 
and and we've got you know tremendous resources to do you know commercial scale research that you know dovetailed with our consulting and our 21st century involvement that really helps give us this intimacy um, about you know what what are the challenges that we need to solve for. And you know, it would have taken me three lifetimes to develop you know the international sales footprint and, and reputation that Alanco has on the commercial side. So, um, you know, coupling those two organizations and capabilities, um, you know, really, really is I think a match made in heaven. And um, you know, really, this first year has gone ex- exceedingly well, and um, I'm excited about what what what. Uh, you know, what that future will continue to be. What are some of the most recent uh, products that have come out or, or can you talk about some of the new things that are coming? We've got, uh, I can't probably talk very specifically, but we've got um, a great relationship with Elanco and, 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 and I have just a tremendous amount of respect for, for them in so many ways. And they have, they get a first look at some of our, you know, we, we're continuing to innovate beyond you know these these other pipeline products um, that we're you know finishing the development for them. They they for a period of time they get a first look at those um, technologies, um, and and then we're free to to look at to sell or license them globally, really with 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 anybody in the industry. And so um, we actually have a really exciting product right now that. Um, that improves um, feed feed efficiency and finishing. Um, that we're um, that that we have several companies that are interested in, and um, hope hope you know something gets landed here the first part of 24, um, and and gets rolled out. It's one of those things that Kim Friesen, who's our president, um, and and I have been you know have had our eyes on for many years, right? Kind of the panacea is, is, you know, in terms of economics for the industry is, is finding something in that space. Um, and so that's exciting. We, we also, as, as, as you may know, uh, do a lot of innovation in the dairy and the broiler space too. And so um, we've got technologies both with Elanco late stage as well as, um, you know, sort of post Elanco that are, um, that are coming out. We've, Kim and his team have been uh, just outstanding and in, in, um, in, in really at the pace of innovation that we've uh, that we've achieved here and we, we plan on continuing that. So over your career, you've you've really found a lot of ways to give back to the industry. And it's been pretty cool to watch. Uh, I remember early on in our entrepreneurial journey, um, I drove up to Mason City and met with you and you gave a lot of really good feedback and offered to to support us and me any way you could uh, early on there and really appreciate that. What was one or two individuals or who were two and or one or two individuals uh, early on in your career that helped you become who you are today? You know, I, I get asked that a lot and it's but it's interesting that I Tremendous people in my career. I mean, Jeff Hansen has has uh, and when we, he was the first person I talked after our Lanco sale, and just to to uh, to tell him um, about um, you know celebrating that. I mean, he taught me um, you know a lot as I as I work closely with him. 
the late Don Geiger, who, uh, who I lost this last year, a really good friend who was a partner at Deloitte, who was a great mentor of mine. Um, but I, I, I say um, that the the biggest mentors, though, and like most of us in our in our lives, Matthew and I go back to this. Um, to me, or um, I say, is my my father, and nuns with mustaches, um, <laughs> is what I say, kind of jokingly. Um, my father had a fourth grade education, and I, I had the benefit of attending Catholic school. Uh, where I really had a foundation of of, of discipline, uh, faith, and, and just this whole spirit of, of service um, uh, to others. It, it clearly has has been, um, and, and I, I believe, what's um, what's helped me be successful, if if I have been at all, uh, in my career and in my life. So a part of that uh, has been NPIC. Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved with that and just what that's been like to to help drive over the past uh, long while? Yeah, absolutely. It's something I've really uh, enjoyed a lot and, and, and continue to. Um, you know, it's been eight or ten years ago when when uh, Glenn Shields, who who um, who was working with Larry Graham, who truly was the founder of 21st Century and and uh, NPIC, um, Glenn approached me about buying NPIC. Um, and it was because I, I had been involved in the 21st Century Port Group and was was one of the individuals in that group that was was you know pretty active. Um, we, we Those groups are you know, strategic forums of leaders in our industry. We've got Port Club, uh, which is kind of the CEO group, kind of the us old farts. Um, uh, we have a, a next generation group, which would be the, the younger group, and we also have a, a, a an operations leadership group as as well as a Canadian group. Those groups meet twice a year, and I would say, you know, those members, um, it's it's your it's your meetings. Um, we we try to facilitate those and get some speakers and great discussion. Uh, and I think Larry Graham deserves all the credit for having conceived of, of that idea as well as NPIC that, that it really is, I think served the industry well um, you know sharing of best practices you know small groups of of uh, you know passionate leaders to try to tackle some industry issues of course alongside NPPC and port board who are you know fundamentally involved um, so when when Glenn asked me to buy NPIC I kind of shifted the the narrative some and said, um, you know, I think I'd like to be involved in the broader, um, you know, port groups as well as NPIC. And so um, we bought a, a minority interest in that business. And um, again, Larry and Glenn deserve all the credit for having, um, you know, you know, foundationally established um, that organization. But um I've been really pleased to be involved and and have tried to use that opportunity to to serve the industry. I mean, in, we've grown NPIC over that time frame, uh, and and really, you know, the fabric of NPIC and those um, strategic forums is about um, is about passion for the industry and and getting like-minded people together to uh, you know to try to tackle industry issues and improve them. 
again, alongside our, our, our capable trade organizations. Um, uh, so that's been um, very gratifying for me. It's something that I want to really, you know, continue to do. And uh, as an added benefit, it, it's it's helped um, us, you know, f- innovate. I think about one, it's not the best example because this isn't, uh, you know, one of our blockbuster products. In fact, it's one that, that NutriQuest still has because um, Alenco wasn't interested in it. But, uh, you know, a good example, we, we had a pork group meeting um, and it was right after a undercover video that Im- implicated Hormel that depicted blunt force trauma, you know, that that's you know, the, the, a, a very humane way to euthanize piglets in a farrowing room that got caught on under undercover, you know, video. Very humane, but it's, it doesn't pass the soccer bomb test, right? So yeah. we, we the, one, a senior VP of Hormel came to our meeting. We talked for two hours about that, and I looked around the room, and I realized that nobody had an answer. I mean, the producers were saying, you know, this is just humane. We need to keep doing it. There's there's nothing more humane than, you know, instantly, you know, putting a, a you know, a, a pig out of its misery. Um, and so I left there and, um, and, and, and did some research and, and found a company out in Pennsylvania that was doing humane euthanasia for lab animals, you know, rats and mice and monkeys and, you know, working for John Hopkins and Harvard Medical. And I, um, I, I visited with them, called Brad Frecking and asked him if, if if we could come up for a week with them to experiment on his farm. And we develop a product that's that's today is called Youth and X. And uh, it's not a huge moneymaker for us at all. It's 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 a fairly small product line because it's a fairly defined market, but I'm proud of it because we we solved an industry problem, you know, that was, you know, that was real. Um, so, so the 21st century and NPIC involvement, you know, has been gratifying on, on so many levels and, and I'm, I'm really, you know, pleased to continue to, to work, you know, with that organization as we move forward. So what does the future look like for you? Well, I'm, I'm excited about, um, about the next chapter for NutriQuest, uh, Matthew, we've we um, as we you know again focus on our hedgehogs, which is which really our research and consulting. Um, you know, we, we've got a lot of potential, and and again, it's it's you know I I I've, I'm, you're always learning. Um, when I think about how we've evolved, I look back and go, well, shit! If I was if I was smart enough, we would have started NutriQuest. Um, uh, on the basis that we had and and not thought that we needed to develop um, you know a commercial sales organization which you know which which we did over time we had about 30 people that ultimately went to work for Elanco and I think we're successful but this this focus on our hedgehog on research and and our dovetailing that into our our business solutions consulting and our nutrition consulting and our procurement services um, and 21st century um, really, uh, to me, is a superior um, business model that, than we had before. Um, uh, Kim Friesen is a really capable president of, of our business now, and, and I was able to you know, take the opportunity to move to a CEO position where 
I can be more strategic and we can um, look at growing those businesses. Um, Those businesses have not been emphasized as much as sales had been emphasized in the past. Uh, And so um, that's very exciting um, for us moving forward. And, and for me, it's, it's been, um, it's been gratifying to, to see um, our great people succeed and, and take this business to the next level and, and allow me to just really be more, you know, more strategic in, in my role here, which, um, which, which I, I'm finding um, to be enjoyable and, and hopefully I'm adding enough value for Kim and the team to keep me on the payroll. <laughs> where do you see the industry going? What is your thoughts on where we are today and where you think it's, it's headed? Well, obviously today is worrisome. Um, you know, I talk to producers as, as you know, da- daily about um, just, you know, the, the, the issues that we face and, and, and just the cycles of a commodity business. Um, you know, I, as, I, as we've talked at NPIC last year with the presentation I gave with uh, Chris Ford and Steve Malakowski, we, we've got some issues, I think, you know, this win-lose mentality and our pricing mechanisms, um, I really think needs to be, um, to be resolved. I think, you know, to, to be, to, you know, to be successful long-term, you really have to be win-win and this vertical alignment strategy that, you know, that Jeff Hansen and I talked about, you know, back in the early nineties, it's a great strategy, but it's a great strategy. If it's win-win, if, if it's win-lose, um, that's transactional, that that's not sustainable. And so um, I'm confident though, that, that we can get past that. Um, we're going to get past this supply issue. Um, I'm a little concerned that it's going to be more prolonged. I mean, when, as we work with producers and they're looking at this forward curve um, being, you know, marginally profitable or, or break even, um, obviously everybody wants to hang on to their business and their assets. And and by hook or by crook, they're you know people are continuing to, to try to find a way. You know, this the fact that grain, you know, corn and meal costs have come down some. Uh, productivity's improved, which of course is exacerbates the, the the problem from a supply standpoint. Uh, but it also gives people, um, you know, the the uh, the hope, I guess, and the potential to to hang on. Um, we we really also, I think, have to uh, fix demand. I mean, the, the Prop Twelve was a travesty. It was animal rights activists led? Uh, Matthew, I think you know um, um, the the other element that I've really tried to help lead the industry is as an effort with with um, you know with with the Center for Consumer Freedom to um, to really educate the public about um, you know the the agenda of these animal rights activists um, and the fact that that they are, they have one agenda and that's just for people to quit eating meat. They're, they're not about animal welfare. They're, they're about animal rights. And, um, we, we've got a, we, we get, we have the tools, we've been successful. Um, you know, those are things that we just got to continue to do. Um, um, and I think the, the other thing I would say is Particularly, you know, as I've served on industry boards, and, and and especially when I was in the CFO role at Iowa Select, 
Um, I look back at these times where things were lean, and um, I viewed them as times for us to sharpen the saw and get better. You know, you you tend to sometimes get fat and happy. It's like human nature when when things are going well. And so, I think um, the industry will will you know it, it, it's a cycle, right? This this too shall pass, and there'll be um, and, and the industry will be better for it. And we and and we need we do need to address some of these uh, you know fundamental elements. Uh, but I'm optimistic because there's an awareness. Um, and I, I have so much respect for the leadership in this industry that you know that will that will um, you know continue to solve these issues and 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 again thrive. So, what would you say as we kind of wrap up here would be a golden nugget of yours, a bit of life wisdom that you would share with listeners, and it doesn't have to be related to the industry or or work. You just what's a life lesson? You know, I, I guess for me, the golden nugget for me has been. Uh, servant leadership i guess i feel happy that if, if if in servant leadership that's that inverted pyramid right you're you're at the bottom of of, of that pyramid and, and all are above you and it, that also i think gives you a long term versus a transactional view i get that would be my other nugget is think long term transactional is win lose right it's 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 trying to buy hogs for as cheap as you can if you're a packer and and trying to sell them for as much as you can as a producer, as opposed to an alignment, right? And what I referred to earlier is as maybe not being sustainable. So instead of being transactional, you know, think long term. Um, and if you do that, you, for me, it's you know, tied in with servant leadership. You you give more than you receive in your relationships um, because short time short term sacrifice leads to long term gain. And so to me, it's even going beyond win-win, you know, try, try to provide a net benefit to others, you know, to serve others. Uh, and, and, and that in the end will create long-term value. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that. And usually during these, we'll ask uh, some rapid fire questions and we were kind of on a roll, so I didn't, didn't do that. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of goofy or off topic. The first one's going to be, if you were forced to, what would be your go-to karaoke song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, lo- I'm at a loss. I don't, I don't think I have one. My, I might come back to you on that one. Sorry. That's all good. Uh, so now if anyone's listening to this and you see Steve, you just got to ask him so we can get that out of him someday. <laughs> yeah. What is uh, the top of your bucket list for travel? Actually, I'd say Africa. Um, I want to. I want to do the African safari. Ever, ever since I spent time with Chuck Sand, and when his business was um, was struggling, and I was I was interim CEO to help um, turn that around, and saw the trophy room. Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm a hunter, but I, I'm not sure. I, I hunt for meat, not for not for sport. But um, the stories that he told me and and that I saw there makes me really want to just just see that. Um, so that's yeah. I would actually like to do that in the next year or two. What's your favorite cut of pork? Oh, to me, it's to me, it's it's still the pork loin. Um, if you if you know how to cook it, it's fantastic, right? If 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 you get temp right, if if you get the seasoning right, if if you if you're at all good of the smoker, which even an idiot like me can can do. Um, and 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 when you, when you look at the price, um, it, it's 
Yeah. Don't get me going on the pork loin, but that we've we've got it. That's another thing that's this huge opportunity, right? That's that should be low hanging fruit because those of us in the industry realize that it's uh, it's such a great uh, piece of meat and such a value that that there's upside for us as an industry for sure. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being a guest on the podcast. It's been great to have you on sharing your story. Thank you, Matthew, uh, very much. I appreciate what you guys do. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.